You know, it's not very often anymore I get to do a one-off sermon, meaning it's not a part of a greater series. So I have a lot that I want to share as we kick off a, a brand new year together. It, I thought really hard about what should the sermon title be, and I came up with, it's called New Year. That's it. So we're going to talk about this new year uh, that we're all having together. And I know for some of you, uh, you may have been celebrating because you're an SEC fan and we don't like you or speak your name in this room. But, you know, I was watching last night. And I just got to say this, Brad Smith, uh, he's probably watching online, big Michigan fan, always here. I found myself rooting for the Michigan Wolverines last night. And I just want to say, I realized for the first time, it was like I was rooting for Job, you know, to actually win his game. And at the end, I found myself arguing with the refs over a Michigan Wolverine football game. So... I feel for you, Brad. I feel for you, all of you out there, Buckeye fans as well. I was rooting for you as well. I am not a hater. In fact, uh, I, I was realizing how quickly things can change in your life when I'm rooting for the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Michigan Wolverines. If, if you're here today and you think change is impossible, you're talking to a Notre Dame fighting Irish fan rooting for those two teams, it doesn't ever happen. But that's how much I dislike the SEC. Again, not much to do with my sermon, so I'm going to move on. Here's what I want you to do. Turn to Luke chapter 9. It has a little bit to do because I, I think that for many of us, we think that change is not possible. Most of us even, I would say, we go into the new year with new uh, intentions and some of us probably begin to change our, our habits a little bit in the first couple of weeks of the year. But I want to talk today about how to see lasting change and how to actually do something that God, God is calling you to do in your life. You know, I, a lot of times in, in messages, I'll talk a lot about that we need to wait on the Lord. I think the Bible teaches that very clearly, that too many people are running around trying to accomplish too many things rather than waiting on the Lord and what he's asking us to do. But the other side of that that I want to talk about this morning is that for some of us, there are things we know the Lord is asking us to do. Let me give you an example. Some of us, we know that God wants us to get to know him better, to, to actually study his word and understand what he's saying to us, but we've never taken the time to read the Bible all the way through. That's something that you don't have to wait on to know God wants me to get to know him better, and maybe in 2023, you're going to stop waiting and start doing something. For others of you, you know that God has given you this physical body to take care of, and yet you find yourself not caring for it well. No judgment here. But in 2023, maybe you're going to say, no, I'm going to stop waiting to take care of this temple the Lord has given me, and I'm going to start caring for my body. In fact, in Luke chapter 9, we're going to look at is one of my favorite few verses. Not a lot of new stuff today, but I believe it will transform our lives if we actually put this into practice. So one little background thing I want to give you on the Gospel of Luke. Luke was a first century pharmacist or physician that found himself writing out this uh, gospel, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and asking God to use it in the lives of others. He was paid by a guy named Theophilus to actually write this, but he was an educated man that gives us details that we don't get in other books of the Bible. In fact, in Luke chapter 9, we get this unique story playing off an Old Testament prophecy, and I want to show that to you. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? Come on. Man, I love the energy. Luke chapter 9, beginning of verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. 
Now, I want you to underline or circle the word resolutely. Every scholar pretty much agrees that Luke 9.51, I know you're like, dude, I was up till 2 a.m. last night, and you're going to go deep into the Bible? Yes, I am. In in Luke 9.51, it's the turning point for the gospel of Luke. Up till that verse, scholars agree that most of it had been preparing for Jesus, uh, it had been mainly teaching, preparing for him to eventually go to Jerusalem. But in 951, he resolutely sets his face, some translation says, towards Jerusalem, that he's going to go to the cross, be crucified, resurrected on the third day, redeeming all of humanity that anybody who admits their sin and repents of it can draw near to a perfect God because of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. That because he resurrected from the grave, overcoming death, we can spend eternity with God. And he's going to resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem in 951, and it's all about to happen. Look what happens next in verse 52. Or excuse me, we're going to go down to verse 57. As they were walking along the road, he tells the story, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He knows where he's going. And this person says he wants to come and follow him. And he says, okay, if you really want to follow me, well, then foxes have dens, the birds have nests, but I don't even have a place to lay my head. Why don't you care for my own physical needs that I have right now? This passage, I believe, demonstrates the twofold mission of Jesus that every follower of Christ is called to live on. What you probably don't understand is that this passage demonstrates to us that when we have physical needs in our community, we actually need to go out and meet them. What if in 2023, we stopped talking about doing that and actually started doing it? Where in your life, in your community, in your sphere of influence, could you actually meet the needs physically of others? The second thing is this, then. You don't just meet the physical needs of those around you. Verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. You don't have time to bury your own father. Why? Because you need to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Our our twofold mission is to help those in need and to proclaim our faith in Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection that I just described. It's that paramount to every follower of Jesus to live on mission in that way. And then finally, he says this, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. I believe this is incredibly significant. It's uh, talking about a story of a prophet in the Old Testament, and I'm going to get into that in just a little bit. But the main point this morning is this, stop waiting to serve God. To join him in that twofold mission to help those in need and proclaim your faith in Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I'm going to challenge you to start 2023 off right to stop waiting to serve God in your life. Will you pray with me? God, I just pause for a second and uh, thank you that you're working today and, and that these people came here to worship you. And we've gathered together to study your word and to hear from you. And so I pray, Jesus, that you would speak through this passage in a fresh way that it might transform not only our way of thinking, but our actions and the way that we live in this new year. We acknowledge your presence here, and we ask that you speak to us. We love you, Jesus, and we surrender this time to you. We pray in your name, and everybody said amen. Amen. 
Amen. You know, some of you have been waiting too long to make a change in your life, and it makes a little sense. I mean, we had a global pandemic, a lot of things that we had to put on hold in our lives. But maybe in this year, we're going to stop waiting to do some of those things. Because what happens when you've been doing the same thing for too long, and you haven't made the changes that you need to make, and you've been staying in the same place for too long, you get grumpy. In fact, you know, I, I've told this story a couple of times here in our church. And I'm going to tell it again because it's one of my favorite stories. And you know what? It's New Year's and I'm going to do it. Uh, a, a few years ago, I got to go with my family to Disney World. And we went to, uh, what's not Magic Kingdom, not Animal Kingdom, Epcot. You've been to Epcot? No, because it's boring, right? Like three people, yes. The diehards, yes. So we took our kids to Epcot. And while we're there... Uh, Jet had not eaten much food that day other than sugar. And we had just recently got him a cupcake because we're really great parents like that. And it was getting late in the day and we knew it was time to go. So this was the last stop before we were going to leave. And you can kind of see probably what was happening in the store when he figured out after he ate the cupcake that we were going to be leaving, he began to get upset. He'd been there all day long in the hot sun, sweating it out, seeing Mickey and Minnie, and he was not ready to go. Now, at this time, he was maybe three or four years old, and uh, actually, he may have been two or three years old, and he was at the age where we still had the umbrella stroller, but he could get his feet down on the ground. And some of the parents know, what do they do when they're that big? And my, my son, he's got some strong legs. So I'd be pushing him in the umbrella stroller, and when he didn't want to go, he'd put his heels down. Then he figured out that like he could like lift himself up and start walking like this. So we're there at Disney. All of a sudden, it's time to go. It's late in the day. He's exhausted, extremely grumpy. And I was t- he would not leave. He began to go, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And he tried to put his feet down. So dads, what do you do? You pop that wheelie, baby. I pop that thing up and I start running through the park. Now... I thought, I got this kid figured out. There's nothing he can do. Anybody guess what he did next? See, he was so frustrated and angry that we were leaving. He did not want to go. He begins to scream at the top of his lungs, help me, help me. So I'm running through Epcot like this dude. We with my son going by security guards while the three-year-old is yelling at the top of his lungs, help me, somebody help me. I thought I was going to get arrested. Now, what I want to tell you is that uh, I, I see in our culture a lot of us, sometimes myself included, that like a little grumpy child who's been sitting too long and doesn't understand the change that we need in our life, our Heavenly Father is trying to almost force us, because we're not going, to make some changes, to stop waiting, to do the things He knows that is best for us. And you can dig your heels in, and you can stay put this year, but I'm guaranteeing you it's not going to make your life out to be the better life you think is going to make it. And that's what I want to get into in this passage in 2023 to stop, number one, waiting to serve others, which is kind of the greater point of this message. But we're going to break it down in three simple points for you today. You see, in verses 57 and 58 in this passage, it said, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, fox have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to, to lay his head. Jesus encourages us to meet the needs of others, to to have desperation in the mission of Jesus to help people in need. Whenever I think of this, and I've shared her story enough, I I don't ask her for permission anymore. She doesn't care. 
uh, a, a woman named Teresa Lee, who got baptized at her second birthday bash, which I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, she had rededicated her life to Christ and gotten involved in the local church and had grown in her faith in the way that she began to get heartbroken for people who were hurting. And she got involved in a ministry downtown meeting the needs of the homeless. And she's been doing that now for at least eight years. I saw her post something this weekend asking for volunteers for Food for Souls as they go down and meet the physical needs of the homeless community in Indianapolis. And she joined with the mission of Jesus and she stopped waiting that day and it transformed her life. She actually works for them now. And that's her job as she ministers to some of the most hurting people in our cities. I find it interesting that Jesus uh, even before he tells them, meet my needs right now, I don't have a place to lay my head. Even before that occurs, in the beginning of chapter 9 and verse 1, he says this, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, here's how important it was, the urgency that we needed. Take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt, nothing with them. I got to imagine Judas was like, no money? You serious? Right? Think of the disciples, Thomas. Probably doubting the intentions of, of Jesus here. Are we really going to do this, guys? I can't believe it. Peter, he was just mad about the no extra shirt, big sweater. You know, he, didn't, he wasn't prepared for that. I don't know what would bother you. I'm sure you would have something. But those early disciples, while they immediately joined with the mission and what Jesus was calling them to, they had things they had to overcome as well. To stop waiting in 2023 and to start serving others in your life, it's going to require you to get over things. What would your reaction be? Would, would you question God? Would, would you doubt what's happening? Would you put your feet down and say, I'm not doing it? I would find that most people would say, well, no, if God told me to serve others, then I would do it. Yet when the opportunities come up, and Jesus even gives an example when you helped that hurting or broken people is like you were helping me, he says. When the opportunities come up to do it, how do we respond? In fact, uh, what I want to tell you this, this morning is that in Mercy Road over the years, everything we've done has the intention at least has been to produce missionaries who serve others in our communities. That we want to be known more for ascending capacity than our seating capacity. Something we've said for many years here. And we've put it to the test, man. We've sent out hundreds of people to plant churches. And I'm not patting uh, just our church on the back. I'm trying to say that the mission of Jesus in the New Testament demonstrates how churches are to live. And that is to have a multiplying effect to reach people who are far from God, disciple them into a passionate relationship with Jesus, and then to send them out as missionaries into the community to help those in need and proclaim our faith to others. And you thought, well, I gave my life to Christ. It was one of the 45 or 50 people that did at the Christmas Eve services because I didn't want to go to hell. Well, that's good. But the next step is to say, I want to join with what God is doing in the world. I don't want to just remain stagnant sitting there. I want to do something with the short time I've got. I've only got so many breaths on this planet. 
What would that look like for you? Our engagement pathway, and, and we'll get into this in the, the series in January, but our engagement pathway is designed actually to see everybody, I think we have a graphic of that, to see everybody in our, our church become disciple makers and missionaries. In that outpost network, the goal is really to produce missionaries who are living out in the community, helping those in need and proclaiming our faith. And to do it with the urgency that Jesus describes in, Act, or in Luke chapter 9. So my question is, what would your reaction be? Where are you at kind of on that discipleship pathway? What's the next step that you need to take this year? And to stop waiting to do it and start doing it would be uh, my, my challenge to you. Number two, if you're taking notes, in 2023, we're going to stop waiting to serve others and we're going to stop waiting for a convenient moment. Because we always think, like, I'm, yeah, I'm totally going to do it. I'm going to join with what God is doing. I'm going to sign up for Rooted. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to get invested in the community. I'm going to reach out to my workplace. I'm going to get involved in an outpost. But, but as soon as you know, this thing happens in my life where everything lines up, it's never going to be convenient. That's the real struggle. So look at this verse here in verses 59 to 60. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The urgent nature of it. It was interesting, uh, a friend of mine, David, who uh, after three years of being here, Jewish background, agnostic person, had given his life to Christ, had been baptized, and he didn't wait to go get involved. In fact, part of his getting baptized was he, even before he was fully there, went and served God up in Detroit, meeting the physical needs of some of the poor communities up there through Life Remodeled, a, a mission agency that we uh, helped support at that time. So I wonder in your life today, what would be the next step that would create that liminal event? Liminal is a fancy word to say something that gets you out of your comfort zone that could actually help you grow into the person God is desiring you to be as a missionary. In Luke 9, 23 and 24, earlier in that passage, Jesus put it like this. This is what it was going to take. It was never going to be convenient. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and pick up their cross daily and follow me. Now, sometimes we read that as whoever wants to be one of the original 12 disciples... <laughs> Needs to do this. But that's not what that word means. Disciples is just learner. Uh, Methetus in the Greek. It, it's for anybody who's learning the ways of Jesus. That he said to them all, whoever wants to be my learner must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Paul put it another way in Galatians 2.20 in one of his earliest letters to the church in Galatia. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is this denial of self to say I've died and no longer live and the life I live now is through faith in the Son of God that requires us to put everything in our life on hold to serve his, his mission first, to help those in need and proclaim our faith. Now we're to serve that out of an overflow that there is also seasons in our life where we need to be waiting and taking in from the Lord and getting healthy enough that we could overflow with the Spirit of God into other people's lives. But I find that most American Christians never feel like they're in that state. <laughs> and part of the growth for some of you is that if you just get so complacent, if you sit on the couch for the next hundred years, no one thinks they're going to be in a healthy physical place. 
Why would we think we're going to be in a healthy spiritual place if we're never out living with God in the neighborhood and community? It's going to require us to get out of our comfort zone, stop waiting for a convenient moment, and start serving God in the ways that we can. Here's some simple ways to stop waiting. Stop waiting in 2023 to read the Bible. Stop waiting to find community and live on mission in the outpost. If you're interested in doing that, you can always email us at info at mercyroad.cc. Stop waiting to serve others. The simple way is here on Sunday, but there's so many more ways than that. Through our outpost network, our missionaries in the community and beyond. And then number four, stop waiting for some of us to commit to a local church. We always say this, you know, when we get to heaven, there's no Mercy Road section of heaven. So uh, we don't care what church, like just find a local body of believers to be a part of and don't just say church is not just attending a worship service. That's, that's a great element of it and encourages us and challenges us in our faith. We worship God together as we focus on him. But the overflow of that should be that I'm actually in community, living on mission in a way where God's going to use me, use you to make an impact. By the way, there's no qualifications in order to have a resume good enough to serve God. That the people that you read about in the New Testament are the most unqualified people who become the greatest leaders for Jesus. So the people in the room who you have made poor choices in the past, you've been struggling with things, you got alcohol addiction in your past, drug addiction in your past, sexual addiction in your past, your marriage broke apart, you got different things that you have made mistakes in your life. If you do this beautiful thing and you repent of your sin and you draw near to Christ, you will be closer to Christ, be used more by him than many American suburban Christians who seemingly have everything right in their lives but are distant from God. Stop waiting to serve others, stop waiting for a convenient moment. You know, I remember back when we first started the church um, and we never thought that what, what happened today would occur. It, we, just at this Mercy Road Church, we got to see 69 people get baptized in 2022, which is so cool. I, you know, at the Christmas Eve services, like I said, uh, there was at least 45 people who gave their life to Christ during those Christmas Eve services that there are many of you who are beginning a, a new journey in life with Christ. And there are others of you who have been along this journey for 12 years with us. And what I want to encourage you, whatever state you're in, whatever stage that you're in, that, that sometimes there are moments that are transforming to us where we start believing differently and God uses us in a new way. I think for our church, the first example of that was our second birthday celebration. We were a two-year-old church that had moved to this tiny little lease building off of College Avenue about four minutes from here. And, and, and at that time, the, it was, we were kind of advised not to do it. It was a really small space in a community that maybe some people don't travel to. I thought it was a great community. And what we began to see was people come to Christ there. And at that, that second birthday celebration, when Teresa Lee, who I mentioned earlier, got baptized, she was one of 12 people that got baptized. And it was in that moment that, and I've shared this story several times here now, and I don't want to over-mysticize this. Like, this really was something that has always confused my cognitive brain. Uh, is that like a, did I say cognitive brain, is that, you can use those together? Anyway, I, I remember thinking at that time, what is going on? We, we, we baptized 12 people, we sang Amazing Grace on an acoustic guitar, where they were baptized in a horse trough in freezing cold water, and then we sang this song, and at the end of the last stanza, all of a sudden, the, the building shook. It shook enough that I almost fell into the baptism tank, also known as a horse trough. 
And what in that moment, I instantly thought, there's coming from California, there's been an earthquake. And I got online, there was no earthquake. And then I thought, well, there must be something wrong with this building. So the engineers that own the building, we asked them to take a look at the structural engineering of it. They could find nothing wrong. And so to this day, the only explanation that we've had that could make sense in that moment was God actually, it was a pivotal moment in the life of our church. And God literally shook that building there as a demonstration. And, and look, I'm not asking you to believe it, but there were people who were there and, and that is exactly what occurred. And I think that sometimes we underestimate what God could do in our life. That was a pivotal moment in the history of our church. It was a pivotal moment for those 12 people. It was the most people we'd ever baptized by far on any one day. And see, when we say we want to be no more for a sending capacity than a seated capacity, it means a different vision of what the local church could look like. I use uh, the analogy of the aspen tree. Have any of you uh, saw Avatar, Way of Water, also known as Avatar 2, the longest movie of 2022? Uh, I did see it. Uh, mixed reviews. I loved it. Uh, someone who attended with us fell asleep, so I don't know. You'll have to watch it on your own, but I loved it. One of the things in that movie is that these, this tree in Pandora, this alien colony, that the, the trees are interconnected and that they operate as one huge living organism. And that concept came from James Cameron, the director's wife, who was a big fan of aspen trees in Colorado. The largest living organism in the world, according to mass, according to mass, largest living organism in the world is a fungus, but the, according to mass is not the sequoia tree or the giant redwood tree or the, the blue whale, but is actually the aspen tree. You can have 5,000 square miles of forest, all of that forest whose roots are interconnected, that they plant new trees out of both the seeds and the roots themselves. Their roots are interconnected and operate as one living organism. It's called a clonal colony. And I would argue that in the United States over the last 50 years, many churches, many of us, and, and I'm not sure, I believe we need all churches, okay? So this isn't a knock, but I want to clarify our vision as a church, that many churches have tried to become the, the sequoia or the redwood tree rather than the aspen tree. That you could have five, none of those trees are large in and of themselves, but you could have 5,000 square miles of forest that operates as one living organism. It's chaotic, but it's what you see in the New Testament in the early church. They would reach somebody for Christ. They would start a local church there. They would grow. They would send missionaries out into the community to serve the needs of others and proclaim the coming kingdom of God. People would come to Christ, and it was happening. It was very chaotic. Human beings couldn't control it. And when you're not waiting for a convenient moment where everything is lined up and you're wanting to be known more for your sending capacity than your seating capacity, it is possible to actually reach a million people for Christ in the state of Indiana before we die if we truly believe in the multiplying effect of the kingdom of God when it invades people's lives. And so if you're here today and you have given your life to Jesus Christ, our goal is not to get you to attend here for the next 20 years. I, I hope you do. But our goal is to attend here, to grow in your faith so you will become a missionary. And it might be through an outpost that you stay connected here to this worship service, but we may have future church planters in the room. People who plant different types of churches in communities that are hurting and broken and lost, in places and spaces where other people aren't willing to go because it's hard to get a paycheck from that place. Do you realize in Multiply Indiana, we've planted, I believe the number now is 29 churches in the last six years or so. And it's continued to grow. We partnered on four or five church plants just in the last few months. 
I believe that God is on the move in our lifetime, and we got to stop waiting for a convenient moment to serve God. And number three, the, the final point I want to make in, in, in Luke chapter nine is this. We also have to stop waiting on our first let me list. You know what that is? <laughs> yeah, I'm totally going to do that, but, but can I first go and I, I got I to I earn enough money first, and then I will do it. First, let me figure out this issue in my relationships, and, and then I will do it. And look, I'm telling you to be spiritually healthy, but when God, you know God is asking you to do something, which is what we're talking about today, we've got to stop waiting on our first let me list. Look at Luke uh, 9, 61 to 62. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me. First let me go back and say goodbye to my family. That makes sense, Right? Go back, say, hey, I'm taking off. I don't know if I'll see you guys ever again. That would make sense. And he says, here's the urgency Jesus had. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. The urgent nature of this twofold mission that we're called to, you don't even have time to go back and say goodbye. In fact, earlier in the verse, earlier in verse 60, Jesus said to them, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That was the urgent nature of that. Now, let me tell you why this is so significant. It, this is, most scholars believe, playing off a story in the Old Testament with the prophet Elisha. Not Elijah, it's the one after him that got a double portion of the Spirit of God that Elijah had in Elisha. And when Elijah calls Elisha to come and follow him, there is a very similar thing that occurs with one noted difference. See, in Luke 9, 61, it said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. In 1 Kings 19, 19 and 20, this is how the story goes with Elijah and Elisha. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing his 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Well, look at the difference in this story. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? With Elisha, the double portion of the Spirit of God is given to him, his urgent nature of he's called to, but he had time to go back and say goodbye to his family. Elijah's like, I wouldn't keep that from you. So why is it that Jesus tells this person he's not allowed to go back? Because now we're talking about the time when Jesus has come. He's resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to be crucified, resurrected on the third day. That because of the work of Christ, things have changed. There is a greater urgency for the mission of God than there even was back in Elisha's day. He's saying, you don't know when Jesus is going to return or when your last breath is going to be. This is the urgent nature that you, you don't even have time to go back and say goodbye. You can't wait on your first let me list first. Whew. You're like, that's too much. This is why you can't wait on a convenient moment. Why? He says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Why? He demonstrates that you're going to have to deny yourself. The time is short. Stop waiting for the unique opportunity to all of a sudden arise today on January 1st, New Year's Day, you packed out this place to come and worship God. And what I want to challenge you this morning is that you got a, a card there, hopefully, when you came in, if you didn't pick up the program on your way out. And if there is one thing, two things, three things that you need to write down this morning, that you know the Lord has been asking you to do, to change in your life, and you've been waiting, 
You've been digging in your heels to get your body physically healthy, to address the issues with drugs and alcohol that you have, to, to stop putting off the sexual addiction you find yourself tormented by. Let's get a little even farther than that. To stop waiting to actually serve God in the ways he's asking you to serve him. To get involved in community, to meet the needs of people, to join Rooted, to go through an outpost and actually live on mission. To be known for your sending capacity and not just your seating capacity. To stop waiting, to write that down and begin to pray. You know, I think of the people who have gone through our church over the years, and I can give you several examples of people who they had a pivotal moment where they said, enough is enough. I'm not going to wait on this anymore. They become missionaries, church planters. They've gone all over the country. We've sent people across the globe that we can't even talk about because they're in unreached people groups where if they were known as a missionary, they could be arrested. And what I want to tell you today is that the mission of Jesus requires you to deny yourself, to pick up your cross daily and follow him, to declare that I've died and no longer live. The life I live is through faith in the Son of God. You see, in verses 22 to 24 in Luke 9, Jesus said this. He said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Some of us this morning need to stop waiting to lose our life and surrender him to help those in need and proclaim our, the coming kingdom of God. What would that look like for you today? Will you pray with me? God, I believe this message is incredibly important, not just to this year, but to the coming years and decade. That there are young people, old people, middle-aged people in this season of their life who need to make a change. To not dig their heels in in 2023 any longer and delay it. It's just going to make us more grumpy. It's going to be more of the same. And so we call on an extra helping of your Holy Spirit to enable us, to anoint us, God, for this season. And if there's someone here in the room who the thing they've been delaying is actually following you, actually serving you with their life, and they're going to change that this morning. They're going to have a liminal moment. They're going to say enough is enough. If that's you in the room and you'd like to surrender your life this year, to Jesus. I invite you to pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, I confess that I need you. I'm going to stop putting it off. And on this day, New Year's Day, 2023, I surrender everything in my life to you. My time, my talents, my treasures. I've died and I no longer live. The life I live is through faith in the Son of God. We love you, Jesus, and we give you our lives. We pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen. 